and welcome to a brand new year, 2020, of the Offside Rule WSL edition. I'm Kate Borsay, joined as ever by Lindsay Hooper. <laughs> That's like a boxing intro. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, we are here to talk about a week that saw someone called Sam Kerr make their debut for Chelsea. And just to avoid some toilet humour, I had to do a little bit of tweaking with this one because producer Abby put Arsenal's little knobs pokes holes in the Birmingham defence, but we won't go down that route, will we? <laughs> Arsenal's knobs and little poked holes in the Birmingham defence. Nice. And the return of Izzy Christensen to the WSL. And here to keep us up to date with everything going on and be our guide and our guru, it's The Athletic's Kieran Tavum, currently drinking tea with a straw. Kieran, hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. It's the first time for everything. Tea for a straw and a big box of Quality Street in front of me to tease me with. So, And, and the straw you're choosing, you don't actually need that. So you've decided, I want to drink tea through a straw for the new year. Is this something new you've taken on for well, 2020? It's, it's yellow as well. And being a Watford fan, I thought it would be appropriate. So, yes. <laughs> Rolling on the new year. Yeah. Um, I spoke to you last week here in Tavum. Of course, women's football's had a couple of weeks off. That doesn't necessarily mean you've had a couple of weeks off. You've written a couple of brilliant pieces. One that I spoke to you about on Talk Radio last week was the fact that, um, well, questioning whether football is ready for women and pregnancy and women and childbirth. Yeah, I think it was something that, that I feel is really important in the women's game because as the game becomes more professional, there's now more demand on on players and their time. And and the question that I wanted to ask is if players are, are thinking about having a family, are they in a position where they're going to be well supported by their club, by their federations and by the game as a whole? And, and from doing the piece, I think what I found was that in certain countries, you are probably going to get some support and in others, you're not. Uh, it was good to be able to speak to to players like Christy Pierce, who obviously had two children during her career as the U- with the US women's national team. Um, when she was away with the US, she got support from US soccer. But when she was back with her club, she got no support. So mm. uh, it was it was a really interesting piece. And, and I made a point on social media of saying that it was probably one of the most important that I've written. And I stand by that. I think as much as anything, as a guy, uh, I really wanted to approach it in the right way. I didn't want to come across as patronising or make any assumptions, which is why I wanted to get the voice of important people, players. I spoke to physios who've dealt with athletes who are pregnant. Uh, And I found it fascinating and really insightful. And I'd encourage anyone, whether you are a man or a woman, uh, to read it because I think you'll learn something from it. Mm, It's an important discussion for us all to be having. This show, though, Kieran, we're going to have to move on because there's one lady who's going to be taking up the majority of the conversation and uh, she's Australian. Ka-ching! This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. That's a good ball in. Farrell Williams! One nil to Reading! Oh no, Grace Maloney could be in trouble here. She has taken out Sam Kerr right on the edge of the penalty area. It's a straight red. Well, what a couple of minutes we've had. Kerr, that's lovely play. Here's England! Around Wales! And there's the equaliser. That is a Beautifully worked goal from Chelsea. It had been coming. Here comes Sam Kerr. Is this the moment? No. Rayton. Oh, how about that? 
What a finish! Go Wrighton! Great first touch. Here's Wrighton. Another good save, and Cuthbert is following up to make the game safe for Chelsea. A song made for me, Lindsay. I'm so fancy. Uh, nice backing track there. Iggy Azalea, uh, who is an Australian rapper. Very fitting. Thank you, producer mm. Abby. Fancy dress. Definitely, Kate. People can't <laughs> see that on the podcast, though. Uh, so the biggest billing of the day with the biggest signing in world football, a debut for Sam Kerr in what turned out to be Chelsea's lowest home attendance this season. Although we must stress that Chelsea have done wonders with their attendances across the board. Uh, Chelsea went a goal down early on. Just minutes later, Reading went a goalkeeper down, a certain red. Uh, with an embarrassment of riches as well up front, Emma Hayside got back into the game via Beth England, a stunning lob from Guru Wrighton to put them in front before Erin Cuthbert rounded things off and made it 3-1 to Chelsea over Reading. So, Kieran, you were at this game. Should we start with that red card? Because you said you watched it back and you thought it might have been two reds. Yeah, I feel sorry for Grace. Uh, you know, it's one of those where Sam Kerr is one of the quickest players in, in world football. And I think it's probably one of those where Grace has seen the ball coming through. She feels she can get there. And, and Sam's, you know, deceptive pace has, has managed to get her, you know, allow her to nip in and, and get the ball ahead of Grace. And she's caught her very high. She's dived in. And while she's dived in, she's also handled the ball as well. So uh, you could say that there's two potential red cards in that challenge. It, it's one of those. I didn't see any, I didn't see many Reading players complain uh, as Grace herself seemed to accept the decision. And it's unfortunate. You know, you don't want to see a team going down to 10. Kelly Chambers said um, in her interview after the game that she felt her team was on top until they went down to 10 and, and they were playing they were ahead they were playing some nice football uh, but yeah unfortunate to, to lose Grace at a really important time of the game That challenge was very much like welcome to the WSL I was just about to say welcome to English football Sam Kerr Grace Maloney getting the red for Reading Kieran you were at the game your thoughts on how Sam Kerr settled into the Chelsea side the one we were all watching for of course Yeah she did well I think Emma Hayes was pleased with her when we spoke to her after the game. Uh, it's difficult for Sam because she's not really played much football over the last few months. The last time that she turned out for the Chicago Red Stars, her previous club was in October and she had a couple of friendlies for Australia in November. So she's really coming off what we would sort of see as a summer pre-season. You know, she's not properly played for no. two, three months. So uh, it's a big ask for her to go in uh, in, a, in a WSL game, a league that she's not familiar with. Uh, I spoke to her her former coach, uh, Perth Glory, and he you know, rightly indicated that Sam has probably never played in a winter league in her career. Well, uh, two things that she mentioned was the cold. Yeah. She, she mentioned what a shock to the system that was. And she mentioned her nerves, that she was a bit rusty and that yeah. she really did have the jitters about this. And you, you saw that early miss in the game and, and maybe that was apparent for us to see. But she really grew into it. And what maybe was the main takeaway was this relationship you can see developing with Beth England because they linked up so beautifully. Yeah, they did. And I think that was indicated with Beth England's equaliser, you know, that was on the counter-attack. Beth's played a nice ball into Sam and Sam's caught the defender off guard with a cheeky back heel that Beth's been able to run onto and, and round Rachel Laws in goal and, and score the equaliser. They did link up well. Obviously, with, coming, with Sam coming in, it means that there's a slight change in formation. You know, Chelsea tend to play with with one up front with a number 10 off of off of that number nine and with two wide players, but they played with both Beth and Sam mm. up front. Uh, so it's it's going to take some getting used to, but I thought they did well. 
Well, let's talk in a moment about who might have to make way for Sam Kerr in that Chelsea setup. And a big shout out from me for Robin Cowan, commentary on this game, who uttered ridiculous miss from Sam Kerr in that commentary when Sam went in early on goal, of course. I absolutely loved that. Well done, Robin. Uh, let's hear from Sam Kerr then herself, speaking with the media following Chelsea's win, starting off with how she found playing at Kings Meadow. Yeah, I like it. I like that it's in this um, compact stadium. Um, the crowd was lively and I really enjoyed it. And like I said, the girls have made me feel really comfortable. So I've really, really enjoyed my time. Kerr was also asked about her striking partner, Beth England, as mentioned. Yeah, it's, it's nice playing with Beth. I feel like we've just connected really, really quickly and um, she's a quality player and hopefully she can keep scoring because we need her. Actually, the best tweet spotted by producer Abby on that combination was Sam Australia passing to Beth England, which I thought was just genius. Well done, whoever put that one out. Finally, Sam Kerr spoke about uh, how training with the team and Emma Hayes has been. She's obviously a great coach, but the girls have been quality. They're all so good. The um, quality at training is is, is amazing. And, um, yeah, they've been learning from me and I've been learning from them. So I feel like we're going to complement each other well. Do you think, Kieran, that that was destined to be her debut because there was a sickness in camp and Emma Hayes did reveal that she had to tweak things? Maybe that game could have come a little bit sooner than Sam Kerr was expecting. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment. I think we've got a, a WhatsApp group between a few of the women's football journos and, and actually most of us thought that Sam would probably come off the bench. Mm-hmm. As I said, I think it was a big ask and Emma Hayes said herself it was a, a big call to, to play Sam from the start. She's only been in England for a week, uh, so she's not had an awful lot of time to get used to her teammates. I think she's had five training sessions with them. So it probably did come a little bit sooner. I'm sure Sam would have liked the opportunity to maybe watch from the bench for 45 minutes, get a gist of the pace of the game, how her teammates are kind of running and working together uh, and then maybe make an impact from the second half but look she she did a good job she was involved in two of the goals and and as she said after the game it's going to take her a little bit of time but they've got a world-class player and and world-class players will will settle down quickly lots of promise who better to speak to about her than her actual teammate and the person she's been linking up so well with in that first glimpse beth england Beth, thanks very much for joining us. I know that you were just out of recovery this morning. Um, first of all, on the result, congratulations and another goal. You can't stop scoring this season. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, it was a really good result for us. We know how important them points were, obviously, off the back end of last year, dropping two points against Liverpool. So that was the main thing for us. And obviously, yeah, always happy to get on the score sheet um, and add another tally up for myself. Um it's been one of my big aims this year to score more than I did last year, so um, it's going to a good start. Beth, I bumped into Emma Hayes at one of the England games where she was willing Phil Neville to bring you on. She's clearly a fan. Just tell us how your game has developed to uh, basically bring you into the space where you are linking up so well with the best player in the world, let's be honest, um, but also where, where you're in the position that you're scoring now more than ever before. How have you developed that side of your game? Um, I think a lot of it has just been down to training, really, a lot of practicing in front of goals. Get, we've been working on certain areas of the pitch um, in training more, which obviously helps me. I think as the time's gone on, the girls have got to know me more as a player and what my strengths are and where the, the best areas probably are to put the ball um, for me to get on the end of them. Um, but obviously, it's been a short brief with Sam, with her only being in in London for I think it's nine days or something someone said um, but we've linked up quite well in training albeit it's only been a few sessions and it just seems to just click quite well and it's been a nice 
a nice environment to be in and obviously I really enjoyed the game yesterday playing with Sam. I thought we linked up really well again as it showed us some good chances created on both sides and fingers crossed when um, she's able to settle her feet a bit more she'll be able to, she'll be banging two or three of them goals in um, alongside me so that would be really nice as well. One of the takeaways easily on Sunday was that potential relationship that you've got. Did you expect it to be like that so quickly? I mean what were your initial impressions when you first saw her in training? Um, yeah, no, she's a lovely girl. Um, first impressions were positive. I think you've always got to appreciate for someone coming in, obviously under the pressure that she she has, that it, she needs to learn to steady her feet a bit. And I think she admits that herself. It, she's still learning the style of play that we have, um, what they expect of her, what, where they want her to be. There's numerous things. So um, for someone to come in and try and deliver all that at once is going to be a very difficult task. So for me, it was just... Um, on the training pitch, especially trying to help her steady her feet, give her some guidance on where she needs to be and when. And um, I think just over the few chats we've had the last few days really helped put into action what we were able to do yesterday. And I didn't know what I was going to expect of her, to be honest. I knew a little bit about her, not like like huge amounts. But for me to be able to play so well with her as what I did yesterday is really positive for the group and for, for ourselves, really, because We've, we've been together less than a week and we've already been able to put on such a good performance. So um, I hope that continues further down the line. Chelsea and England striker Beth England there. Very good to speak to her. So, Kieran, here's the conundrum then. A wealth of attacking force from Chelsea. I'm worried for Fran Kirby. What's your assessment on who might have to make way for Sam Kerr? Will we see someone leave? the club perhaps yeah it's a really difficult one isn't it I think that's something that we're all kind of mulling over they've got so much attacking talent you know Franz won Ramona Backerman was out with flu yesterday and they've got Finnish striker Adelaide Eggman as well and it, it's it's really difficult I, I wouldn't like to make that call Fran is is a game changer on her day she's obviously struggled with injury and illness over the last few months and we haven't seen an awful lot of her uh, Ramona Backman um, is a different type of player, can play through the middle or can play wide, so she offers a little bit more versatility. I don't see that Emma can keep all of them. I think one of them will go, whether we see them go in this January transfer window or maybe Emma wants to keep them for the duration of this season to add make, to add that depth to the squad, uh, maybe reassess it in the summer. Um, but I don't think she's going to be able to keep all of those players happy and, and I'm almost certain that we will, we will see at least one departure. I guess it depends how she handles it. We know from having Anita Asante here in the studio that this is what Emma does. She manages to, mm. well, in fact, Anita said she doesn't keep everyone happy, but it keeps everyone fighting. And I guess it depends whether you want appearances, whether that's your thing or whether it's turning out for Chelsea, albeit as a substitute. Well, Emma responded to this herself. She said, their problem, my privilege. And that just <laughs> that. exactly puts the focus on the right area, which is, She's clearly saying here she likes this healthy competition. She likes this, you know, competition for places is a good thing within a side, especially a side that's competing on multiple fronts. And and for Emma, she would probably argue that she's got enough room for all of these as long as they continue to have a good run in Europe and the cup competitions as well. Yeah, and, and I think that's where the gap is this season, isn't it? They're not in Europe this year. And if they were, then I think those, those players would all be needed. Uh, we're seeing that with Arsenal, aren't we? Arsenal have uh, probably a smaller squad overall. But if you look at that, 
midfield position, Jordan Nobbs, Leah Valti, Daniela van der Donk, Jill Roy, Kim Little, all trying to get into that midfield. But they've needed those players because they've been playing in, in the Champions League this year. Uh, we forgot to mention Erin Cuthbert as well, obviously, of at course. Chelsea. Oh, yeah. another, is another one that I would not want to forget. So um, it may well be, you're right, it may well be that, um, that Emma wants to keep all these players in. As you play with, if each they qualify for Europe, that will be four competitions they'd be, they'd be playing in next year, uh, which might mean that she needs all of those players. But I think, you know, I, I do think at least one more will probably depart, if not now, then maybe in the summer. A quick word on Reading, Farrah Williams, of course, uh, with the first goal of the game. Yeah, look, Reading for me, I feel a bit sorry for them because obviously all the attention going into the weekend was on Sam Kerr and Chelsea. But Reading are a decent side. I think they're probably one of the most underrated in the league. Uh, they've got a good spine. They've got a, it's a good experience with the likes of Farrah and Joe Potter, Jade Moore. They will be fine in terms of where they finish this season. It'll probably be just outside that top three or four. Uh, but I thought that until they went down a player with Grace Maloney's red card, they, they were playing some yeah. good stuff. Farrah's goal was was a peach with her left foot. I thought they gave Chelsea some problems even when they were down to 10. Millie Farrow had a one-on-one with Anne Katrinberger right at the end. It would have been an amazing goal if she'd put it away, but it was a good save by the keeper. Yeah, they're, they're a decent side and they always tend to give the top teams a problem. So I think they'll be absolutely fine. We will talk about new signings a bit later in this podcast. Worth noting, though, some feel like a new signing, just getting a player back. Tash Harding. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Tash Harding um, back on the bench after a few months out. So good to see that one. Quick word from me on this one. I was going to go and see this game, but I went online the night before, Saturday night, and saw that it was um, sold out online and you had to turn up 90 minutes before to get your tickets. Fine, but when you live an hour and a bit away and you've got and- the trains kids. aren't running and the, and the trains aren't running I, I had to make a call had to make a judgment call as to whether I would go to King's Meadow or not and I decided not to I should have gone I realise that now because the attendance wasn't anywhere near what it can be at King's Meadow 2,828 Chelsea's lowest of the season as we mentioned earlier capacity of course uh, nearly 5,000 at that ground if you include um, non-seated positions as well so quick word from me to Chelsea that put me off put me off going a lot of fans a lot of more fans could have gone why would you say that tickets are only available online if you've still got nearly half your allocation Mm. left to sell so word to Chelsea from me I would have gone had I not been so fearful that because it was Sam Kerr's debut it could have been sold out you're listening to the offside rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media We've done the Sam Kerr chat. On to all the rest of the matches. Uh, I think we'll be and everyone else and everyone else. <laughs> a couple of thousand fans turned up to Lee Sports Village for a New Year match uh, for Manchester United against Bristol City. It wasn't quite the start that United would have hoped for. Uh, they had plenty of chances, but couldn't come back after Bristol's seemingly ever reliable Ebony Salmon put them ahead. It stayed one nil. They managed to grind that out to full time. Bristol clocking up their first WSL win of the season. Did that take you by surprise? It did me. I mean, really good for them. Quite quite surprising from Man United. And I think maybe on any other day, they would have come back into it. But they just couldn't quite make it click, could they, Kieran? No, they couldn't. They had a lot of chances. I saw the highlights last night and... If it wasn't for some well, some poor finishing, if we're being honest, and yeah. some good goalkeeping from Sophie Bagley as well, uh, I think United would have probably won that one comfortably. But uh, massive credit to Bristol City. You know they were absolutely hammered by everyone, uh, including Vivian Miedema when they when they played Arsenal before Christmas in that eleven-one defeat. 
Uh, how do you come back from that? Um, and they've done that really well against a team that is considered one of the top in the division. Um, as I say, a little bit fortuitous in terms of Man United finishing, but it was a brilliant goal by Emily Salmon as well, going back to haunt her own her old club. Mm. Uh, so a, a really good result for for Bristol City and and a disappointing one for. For Man United, that saw a few fans on social media question Casey Stoney's oh, starting kidding. lineup. Yeah, it was interesting. I've not seen Casey's been unanimously kind of supported by by the supporters, but I saw a few question why she went with the lineup and formation that she did. I haven't had an opportunity to look in depth at how she played the team and how they how they lined up, but uh, first time that I've seen Casey questioned by the United fans. It's amazing how many times that you see teams going up against a team that are having certain success in an area like Manchester United being very good defensively I think under Casey and they went and they did a Manchester United over them you know you, you look at the opposition that you're facing and you see what their strengths are and, and manage to put in a performance that you're expecting from the home side really so credit to Bristol because yeah. I thought they, they defended staunchly yeah I mean certainly the game plan from Tanya Ox to be in the second half was just to lock down and they did. It didn't stop United hitting the woodwork twice in the second half. There was a penalty shout as well from them too. But credit to Bristol City, as you said, they they had their game plan once they went 1-0 up and they executed it. Bristol City now off the bottom of the table. So as we point out, a big win for them. Goal difference, so still a big concern. Minus 23. They are quite some way ahead of everyone else, I suppose, or behind everyone else. They are the worst in the league when it comes to conceding goals. Any criticism directed at Casey as well with the starting lineup, I think is a, a little bit harsh because the word, was it 21 shots, Abby? Yeah, 21 shots. To, to Bristol's to, to three. Bristol's three. Yeah. So there we go. Move on is what uh, Casey Stoney will want to do after that game, I'm sure. Let's go to Arsenal now. They maintain their lead at the top of the table after beating Birmingham City 2-0 at Meadow Park. First half goals from Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs. And what an awesome one from Jordan Nobbs, by the way. Uh, Ensured the Gunners uh, clinched their 10th league victory of the season. Nice to see Arsenal working. Well, actually, it, it, it looked pretty effortless from them, I thought, Kieran. It looked pretty routine. And that Jordan Nobbs goal, Leah supplied by Leah Williamson, ball, yeah, yeah, a fantastic ball to her. Yeah, nicely worked. And and like you say, I think it was probably uh, one of those games where Arsenal haven't had to hit top gear. Uh, Birmingham have struggled this year. Uh, credit to them. You know, if you can come away from Arsenal only having lost 2-0 and you've stopped Vivian Miedemar from scoring, then you've done yeah. some things right. But yeah, the two goals in the first half, poor defending on the first one from, from Kim Little, leaving her completely open on the edge of the six-yard box for a header. Uh, something that Kim doesn't do an awful lot uh, is scoring headers from inside the box. <laughs> Uh, and then, as you say, the the nicely worked ball from Leah Williamson to Jordan Nobbs to loop it over Hannah Hampton, who actually had a brilliant game. It could have been more for Arsenal if it wasn't for Hannah. But yeah, look, Birmingham is struggling. Um, Marta Tejador said after the game that she was happy with the second half, not so much with the first. Yeah. Joe Montemuro said that it was you know, difficult to come back after a break. So uh, job done for Arsenal and Birmingham come away with a defeat, but no humiliation. One of your features was about 20 to watch in 2020. Mm. Wonder where you got that from. Works well. Um, Leah Williamson was, was in that. Yeah, I mean, look, there were a few. There was a few names in there that maybe weren't as familiar to people, but uh, Leah was maybe one of the more established. Uh, she's over the last four or five years since she's been in that Arsenal first team has really grown 
uh, to be a really important player and, and a huge influence on that on that squad. Even at 22 years old, uh, she I think is probably one of the first names on the team sheet. She's been reverted from a holding midfielder to a centre back and and has broken into Phil Neville's uh, thinking in terms of the England squad. So I think the 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 sky's the limit for Leah. Uh, I think she's got that amount of ability and, and trust and respect from her teammates and her manager. She has the capability to to go all the way, which is why she made the list alongside, uh, as, as I say, some, some names that weren't maybe as familiar to people. There are some comings and goings at Arsenal, which we'll come on to later. Let's go to Spurs next, because it's been a bit of an up and down season for them. This was certainly a down to start off 2020, a disappointing start because a 4-1 defeat for Spurs to a Manchester City side that were clinical at the Hive. Um, a very slow start is what cost Spurs really because City got a quick fire double. Paulina Bremer and Ellen White had the visitors 2 nil up inside five minutes. Rihanna Dean did get a penalty back for Spurs to bring the score to 2-1 but City went on to score two more. There was a second one for Bremer and, a, and one for Lauren Hemp as well who we've been talking about in recent weeks. That secured them all three points. So Kieran, first of all to you, what has been the problem with Spurs and this inconsistency do you think? I think it's probably the nature of a team that's been promoted. Uh, we've seen obviously a little bit of inconsistency with Manchester United, haven't we? They, mm. They've held some of the, you know, given good games to some of the, the bigger teams and then they've lost at home to Bristol City and they lost away at West Ham before Christmas. So uh, I think it's probably the same with Tottenham. Uh, it's difficult to maintain that level, uh, that high level uh, when you're a promoted side. It's been well made known by uh, by the coaching staff there they have a number of players in that in that team that played at championship and at national level as well uh, which is obviously third tier and second tier so it's going to be difficult for them uh, and we have to remember they're playing against a really formidable side in Manchester City you know when you've got Ellen White Lauren Hemp and Paulina Bremer leading your line there's goals in that team pretty pretty solid at the back as well so wasn't really surprised by the scoreline but maybe the way that Tottenham performed in that first half was a surprise Another slow start because we've seen that in a couple of games from Spurs where they've not quite got going quick enough and that's where they got caught in this one I suppose so but I, I don't think it was Spurs not getting going quick enough I think it was Manchester City straight out the blocks and probably stunned Spurs uh, they did have that penalty Rihanna Dean scored that one on 20 minutes but I think Two goals in five minutes, Paulina Bremer and Ellen White, would stun any team into thinking, what, what on earth? And Ellen White's goal, I mean, they basically made it far too easy for Ellen White as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it was probably a case of two minutes in, Paulina Bremer gets one in the back of the net and then suddenly Ellen White pops up and they're not organised enough to have gathered themselves together and go, OK, we need to lock this down, we need to keep it simple for a little while. And instead, City saw the opportunity and went 2-0 up within five minutes. So it, it was interesting. Juan Amaros, after the game, said it was nowhere near Spurs' standard and a pretty one-sided game as well, 26 shots for City. Well, Liverpool are back at the bottom of the WSL table after a 1-0 loss away to Brighton. They'll rue missed opportunities, this one from Rinsola Babajide, who had uh, a good game, a new signing from Reading, Rachel Furness, who was on loan to Spurs, of course. Uh, she showed a class by only narrowly going wide. Myla Tissier and Eileen Whelan uh, combined for the only goal of a pretty straightforward basic game, this one. Brighton are now six points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, the last line of Myla Tissier's wiki page, by the way, reads, Maya is not related to Matt Letizia here just in case anyone was wondering not that that would be a bad thing certainly in football (laughs) she inherited some of those genes um Rinzola Babajide look I I think she's a great player 
but at the moment, confidence a bit low, um, not getting the goals that maybe Liverpool need from her at the moment. Uh, do you think that her season can turn around a little bit in terms of the, the score rate? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I've, I've known Rin Sola since she was a 16-year-old at Millwall. Uh, I saw her play in a game against Watford when I, um, when I used to go and watch them a lot, and she absolutely ran the show. She's got all the attributes to be a really good player, um, and that's why Liverpool um, saw something in her when she was at Watford, uh, in between Millwall and Liverpool, and, and obviously signing for the Reds. Uh, she's got it all, but it's just end product uh, that she needs to work on, and if she can add that to her game, then she can be a really formidable player in this division. Um, but Liverpool as a whole at the moment are struggling for goals uh, it doesn't just rest on her shoulders they've got other players that are capable of scoring Courtney Sweetman-Kirk being another um, Kirsty Kirsty Lynette Mar- yeah. Melissa Lawley you know they've got players there who know how to score in this division but they're not getting the goals and it's just it just sums Liverpool up at the moment doesn't it I mean they get a brilliant result against Chelsea before the Christmas break at home and then they go and lose at Brighton and still searching for that first win of the season and uh, yeah they need to start scoring because defensively they've They've tightened it up a little bit, um, but it's up front that they're struggling. Well, we're five matches in, and that's where it ends, folks. Uh, West Ham Everton was postponed. Clearly, West Ham women have been fraternising with the England cricket team. A major flu outbreak uh, saw this match uh, postponed. So that one will be played at another date. Get well mm. soon, West Get Ham well women. Soon. That's pretty major, isn't it? Yeah. To actually call a game off, because there, there have been things, as we, we touched on with the Chelsea team, there have been bugs and things going around. But for the match not to go ahead at all... Um, we wish everyone well. Let's run through some of the transfers in and out of uh, the WSL sides. Kieran, if you can raise your hand if you have something to say about these players. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Chip in whenever you want, basically. I tell you what, we'll do something different. You just throw me a quality street every time you want to pitch in. <laughs> um, let's start with Bristol City. Elise Hughes from Everton on loan. I'm going to go to Chelsea. Sam Kerr, of course, from Chicago Red Stars. We've already spoken about. Jamie don't put Lee. your hand up. Don't throw me a quality street. <laughs> we've done, we've done a lot on Sam Kerr. We've done enough of a love. Uh, Jamie Lee Napier from Hibs, 19, midfielder. Kieran, this is an exciting one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to see what Jamie Lee can do at Chelsea because I think what we... When we see what Emma's done with Erin Cuthbert, it comes in a sort of similar vein. You know, she came from Glasgow City, not not known hugely, and she's gone on to become one of the best strikers in the WSL. So if Emma can do anywhere near as uh, as much work with Jamie Lee and, and convert her into one of the best players in the league, then then that's exciting. And uh, yeah, uh, one of Scotland's brightest prospects. Yes. So a good coup so for Chelsea. So many exciting players coming out of Scotland. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's good to see. And and I love a bit of Scottish grit. In fact, she's, she's already said that her versatility and her toughness means she will just get stuck in. She's, she is not afraid to get stuck in. And of course, she's come from Hibs to SWPL Cups. The Scottish Cup reached the last 32 of this season's Women's Champions League. So she's enjoyed some success there. And that's important, I think, mm. when you're going uh, to a club like Chelsea. Well, one of the first and maybe one of the standout signings during this transfer window was to do with Izzy Christensen moving from Lyon to Everton. Now, this might be because she wants to be straight at the forefront of Phil Neville's mind. We've got an Olympics coming up. We've got a Euros on the horizon and she wasn't getting much game time at Lyon. In your opinion, bearing in mind that she was the PFA Player of the Year in 2016, is this a good move for, for Izzy? And also, is it a step down? <laughs> 
it's a good move. Yes, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. It's a step down, but it would be a step down if she'd joined any club because Leon are the best team in the world. That's true. So if she'd gone to Chelsea, it would have been a step down. If she'd gone to Manchester United, it would have been a step down. Well, Wolfsburg also, it would have been a step down. So is it two steps down? Chelsea, Arsenal. She's not guaranteed game time. She needs game yeah. time. She needs to be playing in every single game. And actually, Everton is the place where she can absolutely 100% guarantee that. And also, Willie Kirk, really exciting mm. manager. We know he works well with his players. And it's a club that she knows well. It's a part of the world she knows well. And I think it's probably going to be very good for her. But in reality, I, OK, if we say that Man City or Chelsea would be a step down, then this potentially is two, isn't it? Because they are at a level underneath your Man City's, your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's. Did, did we expect her to potentially go to one of those? Well, I mean, I guess when you say two steps down, you're looking at the the position that Everton are in. But is is the bench at Leon bigger and better than being in the first team at Everton? In my view, it's not. She needs game time. She wants game time. It's an important eighteen months for any English player at the moment with the with the Olympics coming up and with Euros in in June or the summer next year. Uh, so in that sense, it's a step up mm. um, because she's going to be playing every week. She's going to be giving Phil Neville something to think about. Yeah. She can't do that when she's on the bench I at totally Leon. Agree. She played 25 games plus for, for Leon. So she had her fair share of, of minutes, but they're world class. They're the best team in the world. And, and I commend her for going over there and, and giving it a good go. But I think it's a step up in terms of playing every week and, and being in that England reckoning again. Hopefully it will be the, the move that Izzy wants. You know, you, you have to say as well with the quality at Leon, she had to go and test herself. And hopefully, you, you never know, she might be back there one day. Let's talk about Sandy McKeever then from Clemson Tigers, because that's how you say it. Because of how do we know this, Kieran? Because she's made it known on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sandy McKeever. Moving on to Liverpool. We've mentioned this very briefly. Uh, Rachel Furness uh, from Reading. Of course, she was on loan, wasn't she, to Spurs. Reading recalled the loan and now she has signed for Liverpool. Kieran, your take on this one? Yeah, I like Rachel a lot. I think she'll add uh, a lot of strength to that Liverpool team. She has a lot of experience. She had a really really good first half of the season for Tottenham yeah, um, and, and it's a big loss for them so uh, I think it's a really good acquisition for Liverpool clearly Vicky Jepsen has made a very good case to her to get her up to to the northwest and I hope it works out for her because I think she's a real honest pro Rachel Furness she's put in the hard yards over yeah. her career and, and I hope it works out for her there the unusual move between Arsenal and Spurs has happened. Emma Mitchell has gone on loan to Spurs from the Gunners. Uh, defender for Scotland that everybody will be familiar with who watches WSL week in, week out. First of all, what do you make of the move? I thought it was a strange one in a way because Tottenham already have Siri Vorm, the Dutch international left back. Uh, so they already had a player that was pretty established in that position. I don't know if Siri's injured or, or whether there's something there that, that maybe might see her leave or move on. I don't know. Um, look, it's a good signing for Tottenham, no doubt about it. Emma yeah. Mitchell brings a lot of experience. She's won a lot of, uh, you know, won a lot of Arsenal. Uh, she needed minutes as well. Uh, you know, yeah. Emma's Emma's coming back off of injuries over the last sort of year, 18 months. She made it very clear in an interview about um, the mental health issues that she suffered as well in the past. And, and maybe a fresh start for a few months is what she needs. Uh, strange one to go to Tottenham. A mm. um, lot of social media debate about that one in terms of whether it's a good thing or a bad thing uh, with two rivals. Do you think rivals. it's about game time though? Because she wasn't selected to go to the World Cup, was she, last year? And that absolutely broke her. I mean, she was devastated 
devastated mm. about that. She'd, she'd worked really, really hard to try and recover from um, those injury and mental illness problems to make herself ready. She didn't go. Um, so a lot of it could be about just game time, getting on the pitch regularly. I think, I, I, I think if it was just about game time, and, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, if, you, if it was just about game time, I think she would have gone... Um, considering everything she's been through, probably to either Glasgow or further north to be nearer where her family. I think this statement and the fact that it's a loan move is probably that she hasn't given up on Arsenal. Yeah, I, I'm almost certain that she hasn't given up on Arsenal. Uh, you know, it's difficult to walk away from a team that's so dominant that are the English champions. Um, you know, with with moving just to the other side of North London, it means there's not a huge amount of upheaval in terms of her mm. personal life. Maybe moving back to Scotland would have been too big a move. I haven't had an opportunity to speak to her or Joe Montemura about it, so I'm not quite sure about the re- the thinking behind it. But Emma on her day is as good as anyone at left back in this country. So hopefully she gets the minutes that she needs and can recapture that form that saw her as a regular in the Arsenal side. And, and maybe she goes back and, and she becomes the first choice again. West Ham next. We've got a left back, Philippa Wallen, um, 19, has come from Sweden and a really good prospect for the future. I think producer Abby, because she just likes to torment me, wants me to say the Swedish side that she came from. And Kate's got like this really funny grin on her face as well. So IF Bromma yeah, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to Grace, Grace Fisk because she's the one to talk about really here from University of South Carolina, former England under 20, highly rated. Kieran, what can we expect from Grace Fisk? Yeah, I'm really excited about Grace coming uh, into the WSL. She had a really good college career, was uh, was highly commended uh, during her time at South Carolina, very well established in England's youth teams. Her coming in has seen the departure of Brooke Hendricks, who was Jilly Flaherty's uh, defensive partner. She's gone off to the Washington Spirit. So that shows how highly West Ham rate her because she's clearly going to be a starting centre-back. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what Grace can do. I think she's a, a really good signing for West Ham. And maybe uh, if she has a good six months, she can maybe push herself into Phil Neville's uh, reckoning for the Olympics. Brooke Hendricks, as you mentioned, Kieran, to Washington Spirit gives the player a chance to be near her family and a great move for her. When does the window close, Kieran? End of January. End of I think Jan. it's like the 23rd of January, okay. roughly. Uh, so we'll probably see a bit more business, but I don't anticipate. It's not like the men's window. We're not going to see loads of moves. It's not frenzied, is it? It's not. No, <laughs> it's the odd one or there, one here or there. I don't think West Ham, for example, have got any more plans to, to make any moves. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens between now and then. Well, let's round up some any other business. Um, I, I want to talk about Wendy Renard, actually, first of all, because one of her trophies went missing. She left a suitcase on a train that had two trophies in there. And she was named in the FIFA team of the year. I think that's the one that's gone missing. Seems like a strange thing to have the the suitcase there, but one trophy taken, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like a considerate a considerate thief, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, someone who's like, I know it's wrong to take this, so I'm going to leave one behind. <laughs> Maybe it was someone who didn't make FIFA's team of the year, but thought that they should have done and were like, this is rightly mine. Wendy, you can have one keep one but I'm going to take this one because I should have been in FIFA's I'm, I'm basically are you saying, saying the thief is someone happened to be a player in world women's football for some, a bitter person who didn't make FIFA's team of the year it's going to be easy to track down as well I never understand why these things would go missing someone's probably going to put it in their downstairs toilet and 
pretend they played. <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, should we get to Tabletoppers Barcelona? Just a bit of news here from yeah. the Spanish League, the Primera Division Femenina. Barcelona then have stretched their winning run to 12 games after a 3-0 success away to fourth in the table, Athletic Bilbao. Notable this game as well, actually, because it was played at uh, the main stadium belonging to Athletic in front of a crowd of just over 32,000. So good stuff going on there and some good news lines around the Spanish League. Now, speaking of good news lines, over the festive period, probably the marriage of the decade over in the United States states when it comes to women's football because they're they're like US playing royalty Ali Krieger Ashleen Harris uh, you must have followed all of this because there were lovely pictures everywhere over social media yeah my invite got lost in the post Did I think uh, <laughs> so I had to follow it on social media but no look Ali and, and Ashlyn and I wrote a, a column on this uh, I think are probably a symbol of how far women's football came in the last decade where you can have such a public marriage from a same-sex couple be widely accepted and widely lauded by by the public. Mm. Uh, great to see and, and obviously, I like everyone, wish them all the best. I absolutely love this. I I loved the fashion involved. I love the suit as well. I like the rainbow cake. The rainbow the cake really and yeah. uh, fellow US player Sydney LaRue's reading was the Supreme Court's decision to make marriage equality the law of the land. Speaking of things that we spotted at the weekend that made you smile, the other thing was an inflatable kangaroo uh, to make Sam Kerr feel at that. home. Did you not see that no, at King's Meadow? I didn't see that. And she stayed behind, by the way, for ages doing all the autographs and starting as she means to go on. Mm. There we go. I think that's all we've got time for, Kate. It is. That's all from this week's show. Uh, we'll be back with more next week, as ever. In the meantime, Jill Scott, MBE's exclusive. She got that, by the way, over Christmas. Yes, she Just did. After we spoke Congratulations to her. To her. Uh, that's on your WSL feed as she discussed life after World Cup disappointment. Um, really, really frank on that one, actually. A determination to prove people wrong. And I know the one thing that Kieran <laughs> wants to know is what sort of dog would Jill Scott be if she could be a dog? It's answered in the in the Offside Rule exclusive. <laughs> we won't give it away. Kieran Taven dumbfounded there uh, at that response. <laughs> um, check out our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Jessie Parker-Humphrey is on her WSL roundup. Uh, is there Martin Whiteley with the latest from the European League? Some good stuff to check out there. Kieran, thank you very much for being our first guest of 2020. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, we will speak with you again next week. We will. You've been listening to The Offside Rule WSL Edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And for more from The Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.